Welcome to Kindreds, a podcast for soul sisters. I'm Ashley Peterson. And I'm Katie Zay. We're kindred spirits talking all things faith, feminism, and friendship from our homes in the South. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Katie. So a lot has been happening lately. I feel like our listeners probably understand why we haven't been releasing episodes as frequently. And we do have some updates on that front. But should we start by just addressing the elephant in the room, the loss of Roe? How are you doing right now? Uh, <laughs> like, uh, I just have a guttural, yeah. like, uh, like groan. Um, we are recording this exactly one week, almost to the minute. Oh, yeah. Since You're right. the Roe decision in, well, since the Dobbs decision came down that has overturned Roe. And I mean, I honestly am struggling with to even to articulate how I'm feeling because mm-hmm. I've answered this question in a lot of formal settings, and this feels like the first place where I'm recording, but also get to be authentic and mm. fully myself and real, and that feels good. And there's part of me that's just like I want to talk about it and I don't want to talk about it and I want to think about it and I don't and I want to feel it and I don't. It's just yep. this back and forth. And the, the feelings have ranged. I'm sure you, you feel the same way and I'm sure our, our listeners have felt the same way too. Just like a combination of feeling numbed out at times, getting really angry and enraged, especially mm-hmm. as someone who ovulates and thinking about even just my own body and all of this and that basically have been told that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I guess one day I really could not get out of bed because I was just feeling the depression of it all. And then sometimes I'm just resigned that this is our current reality. Not, not because I don't want it to change. Obviously I do. And I know that the change is going to take so much time and we've known mm-hmm. that this was coming for so long. And yet I don't think any of us could have fully prepared ourselves for the impact, the emotional impact, and then the real human impact that this is having. And that continues to unfold in ways that are really chaotic and confusing and punitive. So it's a combination of a lot of different things, depending on what moment I'm in. And there's just so much suffering. Uh, Yeah, there's so much suffering, needless suffering. And I really do not understand that because there is so much suffering that we cannot prevent. There are things that happen that we cannot do anything about. And this is an intentional political agenda aimed at harming people on purpose. And I just, I cannot wrap my mind around what it must be like to be someone who has the sacred privilege of having power and making decisions that are intentionally contributing to the suffering of so many people. It's right beyond unjust and immoral, and I don't know how they wake up every day. Um, Right. Going back to a week ago, right now, on the morning that the decision came down, I woke up early as I normally do, and I was taking a shower, and I knew it was coming. I knew for a lot of reasons. One was they added, the Supreme Court added an additional decision day to a Friday, which is very unusual to my knowledge. So, of course, they're going to announce something like this on a Friday, And also, I could just tell my body. I was so anxious. I woke up just with a headache and anxiety. And my body often tells me when something is going to happen that's going to be 
that's going to have an impact on me. And so I was in the shower and I just started to cry, sob, really, which the shower is a convenient place to cry because you're Uh already wet. (laughs) Yeah. So I was feeling my own tears running down my face and the water running down. And I just had this almost like Garden of Gethsemane moment where I was just like, I do not want to do this. I know Mm -hmm. it's coming. I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't want to be this leader. I don't want to be this pastor. I just, I don't want to, I don't Mm -hmm. want to, I wanted to run away. It was definitely a flight moment for me where that impulse came up. And I really, I just prayed in a very desperate way. And I said, spirit, you're going to have to give me every single thing that I need today, every single word that I'm going to have to speak today, because I do not have it in me. My ego does not want to do this. And I'm really thankful I had that moment because as soon as the decision was announced, I'm talking within seconds, I had a text message from a reporter and I had a call from a reporter a couple of minutes later. And it was like that nonstop, just talking to the press, nonstop Friday, a lot of the weekend. It was, and it hasn't stopped. I mean, I'm thankful tomorrow is Saturday and I'm hopeful it will actually feel like a Saturday because I have not had really any reprieve from it since then. So I'm definitely grieving and I wish that I had more space to actually grieve right now because this is so deep and it's collective and it's overwhelming in ways that I haven't even fully grasped yet because it's still unfolding in terms of what the impact is going to be. And I'm, I'm managing to wake up and do what I need to every day. And I'm taking care of myself and my team as best as I can, just taking it one moment at a time. And I'm also mindful of where I live. I'm in North Carolina. I'm in a state, one of two right now, that does not have an abortion trigger law on the books for now. For now. safe, at least until the election in November. So I'm just thinking about that and all of the patients who are coming here to get abortion care and all of the resources that that's going to take and people who don't have the resources to get here or the clinics here who are inundated with patients coming from everywhere who are not going to be able to accommodate everybody. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering what you can do, no, please donate to your local abortion fund. And as you and I were talking last night, don't just donate right now. Yep. <laughs> donate next month and the next month and the next month. Make a recurring donation if you can, because in moments like these, our communities are so good at responding to a crisis. And this is going to be a long-term crisis mm-hmm. of, of care for people. So consider yep. making a monthly donation if you can, or just put a reminder on your calendar or something. Yeah. Donate once a year for uh, as long as uh, we don't have any kind of abortion protections like put and make this part of your annual giving if it can't be your monthly giving you know if you have any influence over where your church's donation ministries go consider urging your church community to become a steward of an abortion fund or a regular uh contributor to an abortion fund right And really what is needed most right now is funding. And I know folks want to offer help in lots of ways and that that may or may not be useful, but honestly, giving donations to the existing structures that have been 
building relationships with clinics and building relationships with each other to form networks across the country is the absolute best thing that you can do right now, in addition to organizing your own people in your communities. So if you don't know about your local abortion fund, you can go to the National Networks of Abortion Funds, nnaf.org slash funds, and you'll Mm -hmm. be able to find yours and give a donation there. And if you're listening and you're someone who needs an abortion or you know someone who needs an abortion and they're not sure where to go or what to do, there is a website called I Need an A, as in like I Need an Abortion dot com, and that will tell you exactly where you can go and the resources that you that are available to you to help you. So those are two things that I want to make sure we lift up and we'll include in the show notes too. All right. That's my commercial for for this segment. <laughs> How are you doing in the midst of all this and so many other things going on in your world? Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to start, I guess, by talking about Roe, um, and then I'll get into more of my personal life later. But I'll echo pretty much everything you said, the grief, the heaviness, the anger, the numbness the not being out, being able to get out of bed, depressed days, all of it. Yes. And I don't think there's much more for me to say about that. Thanks for sharing those resources. And I also want to put in a plug for Abortions Welcome. I want to remind folks, especially now, check out and share abortionswelcome.org and follow at abortionswelcome on Instagram. And if you want to know more about it, we have a whole episode about it. You can go back through our podcast feed and look for the, I think it's called Abortions Welcome. Mm-hmm. So, if, But uh, in a nutshell, this is the reason that we created the site. We knew this was coming and we were preparing for the day when more people would be managing abortions with pills at home. Abortions Welcome is for folks who need emotional, spiritual, and practical support before, during, and after their abortions, and the site is not going anywhere. And if your church doesn't want to donate directly to an abortion fund, they can always donate to Abortions Welcome. There is a link on that website, and those donations would go to just helping us pay the cost of hosting the site and paying contributors for their content for the site. That's my spiel for Abortions Welcome. I'm glad we were able to do that when we could because we it it gives me comfort knowing that it's out there in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting to me that you mentioned that you were in the shower and feeling that knowing that, that the decision was coming and crying in the shower and feeling like you were, add, you know, adding water, mm-hmm. <laughs> that it, you were already wet. I had – a similar experience, um, not before the decision, but so last weekend I was camping at the beach with my family and we were getting our swim gear on and it was a hectic morning. Uh, we were putting on sunscreen, getting in the car and I grabbed my phone on the way out the door and I glanced down at my phone and just saw it was lit up dozens of messages, dozens of notifications. And I just knew what it was. And mm-hmm. I just like showed it to my husband and I said, it happened. Mm-hmm. And we had been talking about it the night before because I had the same feeling about the Supreme Court adding the Friday to their decision announcement days. And I just had that same kind of feeling. So I held it together in the car on the way to the beach. 
I made it through, you know, setting up the umbrella, setting out our gear, making sure Avery had everything he needed. And then I just like threw off my clothes and just like stumbled into the ocean and just fell to my knees and wept. Mm. And I know that sounds dramatic. Like I realize how dramatic that sounds. But I just needed in that moment more than anything to be held. And mm-hmm. I, you, you and I have a similar connection to water. Um, and I remember we're thinking, <laughs> we're both cancers. We're actually, as of recording today, we're in between both our birthdays. That's our birthdays true. are like two weeks apart-ish. And I, um, I remember thinking, I'm just, my tears are adding salt to the ocean. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, it, I just felt very welcome. My grief felt very welcome there. And um, I'm grateful that I was, uh, that I happened to be near the ocean that day. And I think, you know, maybe spirit knew that I was going to need that. Mm-hmm. We knew this was coming. We've known for years. But the reality of it, I was so caught off guard by how physical this was going to feel. It still mm-hmm. feels very physical. And I'm feeling a lot of conflicted emotions over no longer being a faith in women. I needed to leave, but it's hard right now. I want to feel part of a community. I want to feel useful in this moment. I want to feel like I have some control or at least the illusion of control over anything right now. But it's a really good thing I'm not leading an organization right now because of something else that I think spirit knew I was going to need. And that is the mental and spiritual and emotional space to be present with my family. Mm-hmm. I know we're going to talk more, more about that too, because you've, this has been such a, a difficult year for your family. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you were wise enough to listen to your intuition about stepping away from faith in women in the way that you were involved before. I think. Yeah. I'm still, I'm part still of you connected. that will stay yeah. connected. Mm-hmm. And not giving into that external pressure to just push through because because of the magnitude of the work. I think that a lot of people in this space and other activist spaces feel like the success of the movement depends on their particular role at any given moment. And there's some oh, yes. truth to that. And I think that's why we do this work in community because sometimes we need to step away from it or to completely leave it for the rest of our lives. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just the reality. And we, we need to be making space for, for people to come in to the movement and giving people grace as they leave because none of us should feel like we we're stuck, you know? I mean, yeah. we talk, we're advocating for people's autonomy and freedom and liberation. And if we feel like stuck in our work, then we're not even living into that. So I just want to affirm your wisdom and your decision and also all of the work that you've already done and the strong foundation that you built at Faith in Women is so huge. You've done more than enough in this space, even if you never do anything else, which I I know that that is probably not going to be true, but it's more than enough what you've done. Thank you for saying that. You know, we haven't talked about this, but I imagine you have felt similar things, but it's hard not to feel responsible in these moments. Mm. Like what more could I have done? What, what interview that I turned down would have been the one, Mm. 
to to reach more people that could have affected more change or like what and there's so much ego in that and there's so mm. much like this was <laughs> I I'm not responsible for this. I was not going to save this single-handedly. I think that's how a lot of people enter into activism work though. Uh, is this feeling of my voice, my presence is is crucial in this fight. And like you said, in some ways that is true, but it's because of the way we contribute to the collective. It's not that there's any one single individual who is making or breaking any of this. Right, which makes it less glamorous, but also yes. much more sustainable. And yes. I think that that's an important lesson in moments like this is there's not going to be a single hero, shiro no. person who saves the day and that white nope. saviorism concept. Yep. So none of us needs to take that on. And it also means you're not going to get the praise around that. And for sure, if you want to contribute in community, that that is the only way that this is going to work. I mean, we were talking about Adrian Marie Brown. Was that last night when we talked or was it yeah. just this morning? I can't remember. But her model of organizing around... The whole idea of just, um, what is it, like mushrooms or the way that uh -huh. mushrooms can replicate each other, you know, but they, they're they not like competing with each other. I can't remember mm -hmm. the whole concept, but basically saying like we don't need to have the charismatic leader model. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to replicate like activist communities like quickly mm -hmm. everywhere, just like mm -hmm. fungus can spread very quickly. Not that like fungus is the most <laughs> beautiful but hey, this work is not pretty either. <laughs> no, it's not. And I – are you thinking of her recent On Being interview? Because she talked all about this. I don't know I if you got a chance it. to listen to it. But she was recently interviewed on uh, Krista Tippett's On Being. And she talks all about her mushroom theory. So for people that don't have any idea what we're talking about, go look for that interview. It's beautiful. It gives you a really good picture of – the philosophy of being in right relationship with people and with planet and with spirit that Adrian Marie Brown writes about and thinks about and has taught us a lot about um, through her writing and teaching. So, um, yeah, <laughs> just want to put that out there. No, that's great. And we'll link to her book, Emergent Strategy, too, when yeah. she goes into this. So for me, I, I'm i grateful that I've had the space to focus most of my attention on my professional work right now. And mm -hmm. honestly, this is, a, this is a time that most of my spiritual teachers have predicted for me in particular. They have said, like, this is going to be a time when your work is going to become bigger. And so I've been mm -hmm. preparing for this moment. I didn't necessarily associate it with the end of row, but now I'm like, well, that makes sense <laughs> that that would be the set of circumstances, oh, you know, but yeah. I don't yeah. think I wanted to wrap my mind around that. So I've been preparing for this for a while and things have been a little bit, were a little bit quieter for me last year, I think, in giving me space to prepare for stepping up in a very unique way. And I'm really grateful because my husband, Matt, said he'd like to see himself primarily as a stay-at-home dad right now with a with a side job as a therapist. And honestly, I'm glad awesome. we had that conversation mm -hmm. when we did because it liberated both of us in that That's moment. That's amazing. That is so yeah, amazing. Mm -hmm. It is because it took the pressure off of him to get a mm -hmm. whole bunch of counseling clients right away. He's only been practicing since February. Mm -hmm. And it allowed me to more unapologetically step into the role that I'm being called to take on right now as a leader in a time of crisis, you know, with a book on this topic. Like it is, this is the moment. And so yeah. I've been able to focus on that because 
of the other circumstances in my life being what they are. And, you know, again, it's just all of us are just doing the best that we can. Yeah. And we cannot do all the things all the time. So I'm glad that you've been able to step back, even though I hear that it can be hard when you're asking, like, what is the role that I'm supposed to be playing Mm -hmm. right now? So let's go back to you because you were talking about needing to be with your family. Do you want to share more? with our listeners about, about what's going on since, or what's been going on since we talked last. Yeah. I don't even really know how to talk about this. Hopefully I can get through it without falling apart. Um, Mm -hmm. On our last episode that we recorded in March, I talked about how my grandfather had recently died from COVID related pneumonia. After that recording, over the month of April, things were starting to feel manageable for our family again. We celebrated Easter together and then my grandmother's birthday. And it was hard, but we made the best of it. And I was starting to feel okay. I think my family was starting to feel okay. And then around the beginning of May, I got a text message out of the blue from my mom letting me know that my grandmother had been admitted to the hospital for pneumonia, which had come out of nowhere. I had just seen her a few days before for her birthday. She had been totally fine. Mm. But once she was admitted to the hospital, she never left. And after almost three weeks of every treatment that the doctors could think of, um, her lungs just gave out. So two months after we gathered to honor and remember my grandpa, we did the same for my grandma. That's so hard. (laughs) It was horrible. It was horrible. And they say, you know, folks, they were married 65 years almost. And doctors, the folks at the hospital kept telling us, like, we see this all the time. You know, somebody passes and their their loved one suddenly gets sick and doesn't recover. And they see it all the time. And that does not make it any easier. And I'll have more to say about this later, just about what it was like to be present in the hospital almost every day with my mom uh, for the final days of my grandmother's life and being part of her end-of-life decision-making process. That was not something I ever expected. I'm glad I was able to be there for my mom in that time, but that was a real curveball for me. We are definitely going to need to do a grief episode in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we keep saying we're going to, and I think now we have to. <laughs> Let's but, talk about it in every episode. You know, yes. The ongoing yeah, theme. It is ongoing. For now, while we're still in it, all I can say is that my family is wrecked. It has mm-hmm. changed the landscape of our family just irreparably. I'm wrecked. My grandparents helped raise me. Uh, My mom was a single mom for a large part of my childhood, and they were my extra parents. And Mm -hmm. uh, they were the anchor of our larger extended family. And over the last three months, we've lost them both, and our whole family's just adrift. So Mm. right now, when I add in the loss of bodily autonomy, thank you, Supreme Court, All I can feel most days is just this devastating sense of loss and a feeling of how much more are we all expected to take? How much more can we all take? 
And it's going to take a long time before I feel okay. I don't know about you, but Mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, it's just going to take time. And that sucks. I had a similar thought on Sunday after, after the decision came down when I was feeling the depression and I was just, I think without even thinking about it, trying to think like, well, what can I do today Mm -hmm. for myself? And just saying to myself, Katie, there is nothing that you're going to be able to do that's going to make you feel better. There is a whole lot you could do that would make you feel a lot worse. Yeah. So let's not do those things. And let's not put any unrealistic expectations of any kind of coping mechanisms that you have that are going to make you feel good right now. It's going to feel bad. Grief feels bad. (laughs) And just... Relaxing into that feels like growth to me of just saying, yeah. like, oh, I've seen this before. This is grief. This is what it feels like. It's going to lift eventually, I hope. And then it's going to come back. Then it's going to come the back. The process, the path forward is not linear. And that yep. always feels like a shock to remember that. But it's mm-hmm. always true. <laughs> yeah. And like just surrendering to the to the yeah sadness of it. Yeah. And not making ourselves feel worse for feeling bad is mm-hmm. as best as I can do right now. And there's just grief upon grief upon grief. I mean, there's, you're talking about your family's grief, your own grief, then there's the collective grief. There's the grief mm-hmm. of so many things that have happened over the last decade or so. And a friend of mine said recently, aren't you so tired of being resilient? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Like, I know yes. I have to be, and I keep doing it, and it has a cost, and I'm tired of paying it. It does. I <laughs> told my husband, I feel like I'm just getting kicked over and over and expected to get back up, and it's exhausting, but we have to do it. There's no alternative. We have to find a way to be whole and human in the midst of all this struggle. That is the human mm. condition, honestly. Mm-hmm. But we're allowed to say that it hurts. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want so, to get back up. <laughs> I know I don't want to get back up. You mentioned, you know, there's things we can do to feel worse. What are some things that you're doing to feel better? What's getting you through anything? How are you distracting <laughs> yourself? What is your self care looking like? Anything? How are you surviving? I honestly have a lot to say about this. So good. That feels like progress too. Yes, that's hopeful. We've already mentioned this, but really grounding myself in the truth that this work of reproductive freedom or doing justice work of any kind is going to take a long, long time actually helps me a lot to know Mm -hmm. that it's not going to be achieved probably even in my lifetime as much as I would like. That allows me to slow down and pace myself rather than Mm -hmm. allowing myself to get swallowed up in the urgency and the crisis of this moment. And that is a big thing because people who do this work, you know this, Ashley, we are getting inundated from all of our well-meaning friends and colleagues who are maybe just now paying attention to this, who feel the urgency and the crisis because for them it is brand new. And that that's Mm -hmm. real. That's often what motivates us to get involved in the work, but it's not what sustains us in the work. So just remembering this is going to be life's work, you know, or I'm going to be part of this for the rest of my life. And if I want to stay engaged in some way for the rest of my life, I'm going to have to 
I'm going to have to pace myself. And so I've really been working to balance the role that I've been asked to take on right right now, which is to be a leader and a pastor to people who are scared and angry and wondering Mm -hmm. what they can do while also deeply caring for myself as a human being who is also impacted in a real personal and embodied way. What does caring for myself look like right now? I'm taking a lot of naps almost every day in the afternoon, just quickly to give myself time to turn off for a little yep. bit. So naps. I'm trying to build that in. Naps are so the best. The nap, the nap ministry I know uh-huh. is not really for white people specifically, but I learned so much from their content that that naps are beautiful and are divine right to rest. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Also, you know, having my husband step up in the parenting and household departments so that I can have some space when I'm not working has been really helpful for me. And just accepting that and allowing him to love me in that way has really helped too. Because sometimes in the past, I've really felt guilty about that, which takes away from the gift. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Like just Mm -hmm. being grateful rather than guilty about it. And um, I've started... And I want to show you, no one else can see, but I've, I've been starting to build an altar every season. This is the second season I've done it, but I want to do a a seasonal altar. So I created one for the summertime around my birthday, since it's the summer solstice. And I have started beginning and ending my workday with, with grounding and cleansing rituals at that altar space. So like intentionally coming in very quickly, but like lighting a Mm -hmm. candle, setting an intention, imagining a protective light, and then closing it at the end of the day and just really like cleansing myself of all the energy that I pick up all day. And that honestly has really helped me keep those energetic boundaries around work. Even when the the work day is long, because I've been doing evenings and stuff too, but really just being intentional about like beginning and ending my day in a very grounded place. I've never really done that with any regularity, but that has been helpful to me. And then I do a lot of other things that involve other people caring for me. I do regular Reiki sessions, which are energy work, which help me a lot. Um, I still see a therapist every week and I get monthly massages and other things like that, where I just sort of surrender to someone else, like taking care of me or guiding me through something so that I'm not doing it all by myself has been so has important. Been yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful I can do those things. But building them in as a discipline has been really important for me. Because if I just waited until I felt like it, I would never do any of that. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to schedule it. Uh, another thing that – or another person I'm resonating with is the spiritual teacher named Rebecca Campbell, who I've been following for right now – for a long time, but especially right now, who does a lot of work around – the Divine Feminine. She's got three oracle decks that are so beautiful and three different books too. And so a couple of months ago, I took a class with her and then decided to join her online community called, it's now called The Sanctuary. It used to be called Rise, Sister Rise. She just renamed it. And it's amazing. It's got this whole library of meditations and courses and rituals. It's like a one-stop shop for all of that. And she also hosts a, a live monthly circle for her subscribers. And I've I've been doing that because I mm. want to be in community with people. And there's something really lovely about being with people all, all around the world meditating together. There's an energy that you can get even virtually yeah, when you're in community cool. all meditating together. Yeah. So that's been really beautiful. And then, okay, some lighter things because those are all heavy. I've gotten really into makeup and hair tutorials on YouTube. Love them. Love them all. <laughs> so it's much so fun. fun. 
and, and I have to it be is. on camera all the time. Camera yeah. all the time. So I've had to do makeup and hair every day. And so I'll give myself Ugh. an extra 15 minutes and I'll just put one of those on and I'll try to do whatever the thing is. And sometimes I just like scratch it and do like something I know how to do. But it's given me a little bit of joy just to learn something new. It's um, creative and playful. Yeah, it is creative. It's absolutely creative. And I would be remiss not to mention my very new hobby, which may or may not stick. But I started pole dancing last week. <laughs> I love twice. that. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. No one there knows who I am or what I do. And it's very empowering and a great workout. So stay tuned for an update on that. I will let you know next time we record if I've kept up with it or not. We'll see. Yes, please report back. <laughs> okay. And so I want to share like one other thing because this feels big. Um, I came out during Pride Month as queer. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Kind of buried the lead on that. I know. Okay. <laughs> we should have done a whole episode on this. <laughs> Just Maybe this. we will. Maybe we will down Maybe the line. Maybe we will. Yeah. Yeah. It's Yay. It was, yay. Yeah. I was like, it's my birthday <laughs> month. I'm born in June. I'm going to be 40 next year. I do not want to be not sharing about this. Yeah. The last yeah. year of my 30s. And so, and I did it because I knew that I was going to be received with a lot of love and support. And I know that that's yeah. not everybody's experience, but I would not have done it if I didn't know for a fact that I was going to get a lot of love for my community. And that's 100% what happened, even though I think some people are confused and I will address that in a minute. So um, <laughs> Matt and I went to our first Pride Festival together Yay! a few weeks ago How in was our it? town. It was so fun. It was really lovely to be in community and just to see people just showing up as themselves. I think that that was so beautiful. And I loved seeing, like, the presumably heterosexual parents bringing their teens there as a sign of solidarity. Like, you could That's tell cool. that, like, the parents were there to support their their kids. And that was really, really beautiful. And Matt was holding my hand. And at one point, he was like, do you not want me to hold your hand? Am I making you look straight? <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. And I was like, no, we... That's fine, but it was kind of a funny thing. Um, okay, so let me talk a little bit about queerness because I've been getting a lot of questions about it from people, which is like a whole other topic for another time. Yeah. Okay, so to answer your first question, no, Matt and I are not splitting up. <laughs> Coming out doesn't mean that you leave your partner. And he's honestly known about this for a really long time. This is not something I would have shared publicly yeah. had Matt and I not been crystal clear about what that means for yeah. us. and. So, no, he's good. Plus, he's a sex therapist, you guys. Like, right. This is old news for him and probably, like, the least interesting thing about me, honestly. Yeah. It's not that interesting. So we're good. Don't worry about Matt. And then the other question I get is, like, why are you identifying as queer and not bi or something else? Like, what does that mean for you? And I think it's those other labels just don't feel like the exact right fit for me. Because yeah. I love – queer as a term because it's an umbrella term and you can mm -hmm. fit so many things underneath it. And for me, claiming queerness has just as much to do with the way I think about my relationships with people in general. Um, so yeah, I'm in a committed heterosexual marriage, but our marriage is not defined or constrained by societal norms or gender roles. And so in that way, I think we bring queer values into our relationship and always have that we're constantly evaluating our dynamic and making changes based on what we want our relationship to look like rather than following some prescribed way of being. And so yeah. in a lot of ways, like queerness is just claiming a worldview, um, a way of viewing how we are in relationship with other people, romantic and mm, otherwise. I like that. 
yeah, and I'm still figuring it out, but um, yeah, it's it's beautiful. I'm I'm thankful that I am getting to know myself better, and it feels good to be authentic about that and honest about that in the world. Yeah. So to summarize, Rebecca Campbell's sanctuary YouTube uh-huh. tutorials, uh-huh. pole dancing, uh-huh. and oh naps, and yes, embracing my queerness. That's what's getting me through. <laughs> That's an amazing list. Not in any particular order. <laughs> no, no. I just want to say that I'm so excited for you on this journey of being openly queer. And I just, I'm proud of you. And I guess it's okay for me to say that this is something that I've known for a while. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, me. you're one of the first people I told. Yeah. And yeah. I was, you know, you didn't really give me a lot of warning. You were like, I think I'm gonna come out and then you did it like the next morning <laughs> that's so me it. though <laughs> i know i know and i saw it on instagram it was just like oh my god she did it <laughs> and i'm just thrilled for you and just what it means for your relationship you know you said matt was like should i not hold your hands so that people don't know you're straight but honestly he's in a queer marriage so right. he, you know like that <laughs> just how yeah. you described it it's just a cool new journey for you guys, and I'm just excited for for you and for y'all and just everything that all the all the possibility that this opens up for just more liberation, you know, yes. always, always Thank seeking. You. Yeah. Um. So, how am I surviving? <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Most days, I am just very focused on putting one foot in front of the other and making it to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I've been in this place before. It feels familiar. It's been a week now since the Dobbs decision came out, and I would say I'm just now starting to emerge from the fog that I've been in for this past week. Uh, this is just a really hard time in a lot of ways, and I'm trying to go easy on myself in the day-to-day And like we were saying earlier, just not expect myself to feel better overnight and not expect one, you know, self-care thing to snap me out of it or to fix it or to to change things dramatically. This is just going to take time. So really embracing that uh, is something that's helping me. And I've done some reflecting on another difficult time in my life, which is 10 years ago when I went through my divorce that I've talked about on the podcast before. And I've been thinking a lot about what helped me through that time so I can incorporate some of those things into my life now. Back then, I leaned really hard on my family and my friendships. So I'm trying to do that now as well. I've made a plan to go visit one of my best friends in a couple of weeks who I haven't really gotten to spend a lot of time with in a couple years. I'm really looking forward to that. I've also been admitting when I'm overwhelmed and letting Pat handle more of the day-to-day parenting. And I love how you put it, you know, letting him love me in that way. Because the feeling guilty about it doesn't, it, it's not self-care anymore when you just feel guilty about it. And it takes the the gift away uh, from what it what it really is. So really trying to just be okay with knowing that Pat's going to handle a little more. And soon I'm going to start setting some small goals for myself to have something to work toward. I've been kind of in a limbo phase for the last few months, just having to deal with what's directly in front of me 
on the day-to-day basis. So I'm excited to start setting some goals and looking more toward the future and giving me something to work toward because I know I need to do that. I just haven't figured out what that looks like yet. And since you shared something spiritual, I will too. I've been using tarot to help me process some of the things that I'm going through. It's been really helpful. I have a beautiful deck that I love called the Spacious Tarot. For folks who aren't familiar with tarot, the classic tarot deck that most decks derive from features a lot of imagery of people. It's sort of the story of the the fool's journey. So there's just a lot of people imagery. But something I love about the Spacious Tarot is the illustrations are all inspired by nature. So it's all focused on plants and animals, the elements, the sky. There's no people in it at all. And I find that aspect of it really soothing for some reason. I think mm-hmm. there's so much – it's very noisy in the world right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's something about the Spacious Tarot deck that's very calm and peaceful and quiet and soothing. So I've been using this deck to help me journal and help me focus and to help me put where I am in my life's journey, in my fool's journey, into perspective. And for me, that's my favorite use for tarot, thinking about it in the context of the bigger story that it's trying to tell about what it means to be human and and where I am in that story. So that's been really nice. I am also distracting myself. I do have a few lighter things to share that I've been watching and listening to. So the first thing is the new Harry Styles album. Have you heard it? I don't think so. I might have heard some of the songs, but now I want to listen to it. It's so good. So one of the songs he released as a single that has been playing everywhere. I feel like I hear it in the grocery store. But the whole album is good. There are some really fun, poppy songs good dancey songs, and then some songs with just really beautiful lyrics. I think he, you know, he doesn't identify as queer because he doesn't like to be labeled. I think that's what I've read in interviews that he, but he really, he also embraces queer values and you can see queer values reflected in his music a lot. Hmm. Yeah, it's been, and it's just a good background album to have on. And along the same lines, the new song Free by Florence and the Machine, which I know I shared the video with you. That song Mm -hmm. is on repeat in my house. It's about what it feels like to have anxiety, which I relate to a lot. But it's also just a really fun dance song. And I encourage folks, we can link to the video in the show notes because it's just so good. And I have also loved the HBO show Hacks. Uh every episode so good it's just so smart and funny and so well written and it makes me smile which is kind of hard to do these days and it's really all I want from media right now it's about an older comedian who is loosely based on Joan Rivers and she's reinventing her career after getting really stale in Vegas for decades. And the main character is played by Jean Smart, who is just incredible. And I love that she is 70 years old, is playing this really complex character who's like hard and mean, but also soft and vulnerable. And sometimes you hate her and sometimes you love her. And it's just so interesting. It's such a great role. And I just love that this show exists and there's so much good queer representation on the show (laughs) have you seen so you've seen it right I haven't seen all of it but I've seen the first season okay season two there is an amazing episode that takes place on a lesbian cruise that of course you just have to like you have to go watch it it's so good (laughs) so I think Um, that's pretty much that's all my stuff that's it I won't summarize okay so let's just acknowledge the fact that 
we've not been recording regularly. It's been really sporadic yeah. for all of the reasons that we have just laid out there. And yes. so, but you might be wondering, are we are we doing a slow fade? Yeah. Uh, are we going away? First of all, just thank you so much for your patience and grace with us as we've nav- navigated this year. We know you're doing the same. If you're listening to this, you are probably someone who is paying attention and who cares mm-hmm. about what's going on in the world. So you are probably feeling on overload with a lot of things too. That being said, our intention right now is to resume regular monthly episodes. That's our Mm -hmm. hope. And that's what we're planning right now. And at the same time, who can really plan anything right now? We can't predict what tomorrow is going to look like. So that's our intention. It's on our schedule. And that's our hope. So thank you for understanding. And we really hope to be back with regular episodes this summer and fall. And in the meantime, I've been doing a whole lot of other stuff, as as have you, but I've been doing a lot of public stuff. You've been, yeah, you've been doing work. a lot of public stuff. <laughs> yes. So if you want to follow my whereabouts on the news and other places that I'm speaking about faith and reproductive freedom, including other episodes of other podcasts, you can follow me on Instagram at Katie Zay. And I started a TikTok channel too. Oh, Lord. Forgive me. Um, <laughs> at, at Rev Katie Zay. So R-E-V Katie Zay. I've been recording a lot of videos and reels to help people make sense of how we got here and how we're going to get ourselves out of it. Mm. So that's a good place. And I've linked to all of my other stuff that I'm doing. So you can follow me there. And of course, if you haven't gotten a copy of my book, A Complicated Choice, I'm going to put a plug in for it because it really was written for this time. Yes. It's a helpful guide for people to help you dismantle your internalized abortion stigma and start taking intentional action for reproductive freedom in your community step by step. Yes, please get a copy of A Complicated Choice. Uh, Highly, highly recommend it for this time. So I guess that's it for this episode. We will be back, hopefully, on a more regular schedule, as you were saying. And I'd like to end by sharing these lyrics from the Florence and the Machine song that I mentioned a minute ago. It's called Free. For some reason... These lyrics bring me a lot of comfort. I know they sound kind of sad, but the song really is a bop. So (laughs) the song is not a sad song, (laughs) but I like this, uh, these lines. Is this how it is? Is this how it's always been to exist in the face of suffering and death and somehow still keep singing? There's nothing else I know how to do, but to open up my arms and give it all to you because I hear the music. I feel the beat. And for a moment, when I'm dancing, I am free. Mm. Yes. So I'll just leave it there <laughs> with Florence. I love that last line. Me too. Me too. Let's all find all right. a moment to feel free, whatever yes. that looks like for you. Yep. That's my wish for y'all. So take care. And Katie, I will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website, kindredspodcast.com. That's kindreds with an S. Or you can send us an email at team at kindredspodcast.com. You can also follow me, Katie, on Twitter at Katie Zay. That's Katie with an E-Y-Z-E-H. Please send us your thoughts, ideas, and questions. We'd love to hear from you. 